0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. My name is Scott. And if you're here for the first time, let me just say, if you need anything while you're here today or online, reach out to one of those hosts or the volunteers wear those name tags here at the church. If you need anything, you make sure you see one of them. But we are so glad that you're here. And I think you've joined us at a good time because today we're kicking off a new series, a three-week series called I Promise. And what we're going to talk about in this series is some of the promises of God. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, the Bible is full of God's promises, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises. Certainly, we wouldn't have time to cover all of those It take my life and your life and, and a bunch of other lives to do that. But we're going to hit those that I think are are really crucial to our lives, and they're really important to our lives. And that's why I want to start out today, and I want to talk about the promise of heaven. because, you know, I work with families uh, unfortunately, at their most difficult times in life, attend a lot of funerals, do a lot of funerals, and a question, that I guess asked a lot of times is, you know, well, what's heaven like? What's the deal with heaven? What's the promise of heaven? Because that question comes up because it's a mystery to us, right? And we're never going to fully understand it. And even though you talk to people about it and they ask you about it and they don't know anything about it or how it works, they're convinced 100% of the time that that is where they're going when they leave this earth but the good thing is people are willing to discuss heaven, right? You bring up Jesus or bring up God in the workplace and and conversation's going to shut down, right? Or you talk about church, they're not really open to talking about that, but they're definitely open to talking about heaven. Why is that? And I think that's because inside of each and every one of us, there is a desire to live longer, to live more. You know, that there's something beyond this life that we're living today. There's something beyond this earth that we can feel and touch and see. So people are curious, and they want to know. Now, if you want to follow along with our notes today or the Scripture verses we use, we'll have them on the side screens and online, but you can always download that Church Center app or scan one of the QR codes on on your side screen if you want the notes on your phone uh, today. But I want to look at this first verse. And it kind of gives us this sense of why we're wired the way that we are. And it's from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. And it says this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And here's the key sentence. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So the reason we desire more than this life. And we're curious about that. And what happens after we leave this earth is because God has planted that desire inside of our hearts. He's planted the desire of eternity in our heart, even though we'll never fully understand it. That verse says, you know, we don't always know what God's doing or what God's up to or how it all works. But the truth is, eventually we will all pass into eternity, Right? I like to think of this life as just preparation for the next. It's just, like, it's just a precursor. It's, it's a preview. And, and I'll be honest, this week and, and the week before, I kind of got going down some different rabbit holes when I was working on this and, and thinking about this talk. And, and one of the things I looked up was what the life expectancy is of people. And, and I found this site that had the life expectancy of different countries. And so the life expectancy in the United States is 79.4 years. That's the average. Now, if you move to Canada, it's like 83 years, which I don't understand because it's cold in Canada. You'd think it'd be, you know, like Florida or something. But then if you go to Hong Kong, the life expectancy is 85.6 years. So it's increasing. Now, if you want to watch this new Netflix documentary that's out there, uh, it's called How to Live to Be 100. Right? You may be able to increase those odds. But I'll forewarn you, because we've watched it, you have to eat uh, things like tree bark and grass and rocks and, and tofu. But you could beat those odds. all right. But here's what I know. No matter where we live, no matter what the averages say or the, uh, the mortality tables in the life insurance companies say, eventually, all of us, are going to pass from this life on earth into eternity. And so I think it's wise that we're prepared, and I think it's wise that we understand the promise of heaven. So you hear that, that term, and, and I'm not asking you to a- answer out loud, just be thinking about this, but when you hear that term heaven, what is it you think about? What, what comes to your mind? You know, I've heard pastors describe heaven as this one big, long church service. Sounds like they were describing hell and what hell's (laughs) going to be like and not heaven, right? I mean, am I right? That, That wouldn't be right. That wouldn't be good. We draw these pictures, though, of heaven a lot of times from our culture, from what culture tells us. And so we think of heaven as, well, I'm floating on a cloud, right? Or I'm playing a musical instrument. Or there's this big stairway up into heaven, you know, and and we're all waiting in line and people are telling jokes about St. Peter and all that. And and when we get to the gates, we got to convince St. Peter or whoever that we're good enough uh, to get in. But it's not really biblical. So what I want to do is I want to look at what does God say? You know, what does God tell us about this promise of heaven? What can we expect? And I want to look in John chapter 14. And I want to look at what Jesus was telling his disciples. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. But starting with 1 through 4, here's what this passage says. Jesus starts out and he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so, what I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way where I'm going. To which quickly Thomas says, uh, no, we don't know where you're going. Look at John 14, 5. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then the way Jesus answers Thomas, it's a very familiar verse to a lot of you, very popular verse, but in John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, in these passages of Scripture, there's incredible promises about heaven from Jesus. And the first one is learning number one on the outline, if you're taking notes. Jesus promises that heaven is a real place. He promises that heaven is a real place. Now, before we go on, I want to just ask a favor. Those of you at home, those of you here, if you're under the age of 35, which is a lot of you, don't tune me out. I'm still young enough to remember how you think at that age. You think, why are we talking about this? I got the rest of my life in front of me. I've got all this time out there, but let me tell you what's going to happen. 30 years are going to fly by. I'll be gone. I'll be enjoying my new home in heaven. And you'll be 60 years old, 65, and you'll be thinking, man, that old guy at Blue Ridge was right. My life has flown by. The truth is, we don't know when that's going to happen, and we have to be prepared. But what we can count on is life on this earth is incredibly short, right? So we should be prepared. Now, another thing I Googled last week was, you know, how many people die in a day? And I came up to this. I know I got stuck in these rabbit holes, but, you know, it went down to the very second. And 1.8 people die every second in the world. 1.8 people every second. That means You know, our services are short, 60 minutes. Within our 60-minute service, over 6,400 people will pass into eternity. And I want you to think about that. Some of you are thinking, why did I get up and come to church today? Right? Why did I tune in online? But again, it's an important topic to discuss because we want to be prepared and we want to know what does God say about eternity? What does God say about eternity? heaven. Now, speaking of heaven, I heard about this lady who went to the doctor's office with her husband. Her husband was getting an examination, wasn't feeling very well, and she went with him. And after the doctor examined the husband, he said, I need to talk to your wife alone, if that's all right. So the husband goes out into the waiting room, and, and the doctor says, your husband, is he's terribly ill. And unless there's some changes made, he, he's not going to make it. And she's like, well, you know, what can I do, Doc? And he said, you know, just be kind to him. Speak well of him, cook for him on a regular basis, and maybe a couple times a week make love to him. You know, there's a chance that he can have a complete recovery. And she's like, okay, Doc. And she walks out of the office and the, greets the husband in the waiting room. And he's like, what did, what did the doctor say? She said, the doctor said, you're going to die. The reality is we don't think much about heaven or dying because it's not a fun thing to think about. We'd rather think about our next opportunity at work, the next promotion, the next raise, the next vacation or the long weekend we're going to uh, trip we're going to take, the, the next ball game we get to watch. And unless you attend a funeral or get some bad news from somebody in your family or somebody has a setback, In their health, we just don't talk about it much. We certainly don't talk about it when we're young because we got all of our life in front of us. We don't wanna think about it too much when we're old because it can be depressing. But the truth is every single one of us are closer to eternity right now than we were even when we woke up this morning. And that may be upsetting to hear. But I think we need to hear the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples because that's what he was telling them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, why did he tell them this? Because they were upset. They were they were anxious, they were worried, they were stressed out because they knew that Jesus was eventually going to going to leave them. His time was coming to an end, which is understandable, right? We we experience that in life. A loved one gets sick. We lose a loved one. What happens? Our anxiety goes through the roof, right? We don't know how to handle it. We don't know exactly what to do. We got a lot of questions. We don't have a lot of answers. And back in July, uh, my wife's dad passed away, end of July. And we didn't really know completely what to do. You know, we knew he was old. We knew Someday this was going to happen, but, you know, her, her sister called her and said, hey, dad's not doing well, and so we did what every family does. The only thing we knew to do was, all right, let's take the kids down and, and get to see their their grandpa, you know, granddad before, you know, this happens. But the whole time, it's it's like none of us knew what to do. We just tried to manage our grief and and manage our questions, and and I found comfort, and I think people... Once we had this, the service found comfort in these very words we looked at this morning from Jesus when he was speaking to his disciples, and I think it's a source of comfort to all of us no matter what we experience, but he, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I mean, he's getting ready to die, and he's telling them, don't let your hearts be troubled. And see, prior to this, Jesus had predicted his death multiple times. Three times, I think, for his disciples and, and for others. And, and I can imagine, you know, how that conversation would have gone. Hey, hey, guys, you need to understand this because this is going to happen soon. And I, I'm going to be very young, and this is going to come way before you think it's going to happen. But they're going to put me to death on a cross. They're going to kill me on a cross. And then after I'm dead, they're, they're going to take my body down off that cross, and they're going to put it in a tomb and, and I'm going to be there for three days. But then after that, because of the power of the Holy Spirit and, and my Father in heaven, I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to rise from the dead. And I'm going I'm to hang out with you. And I'm going to spend a little more time with you until I go back and return to my Father's home in heaven. And then Jesus said something else after that. And he said, and I'm coming back for you, and you, and you, and you, and you. But they still didn't get it. Again, goes back to that verse in Ecclesiastes, we don't know all of the workings of God, but he said, I'm making you this promise, so don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then Jesus rolls into talking about His father's home, he says, There is more than enough room. Telling his disciples this, there's more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And see, here's one of the promises of heaven Jesus promises that heaven is a real place, a physical place. The word he uses here is the Greek word topos, which means physical place. It's not something that we imagine. It is a real place that we can uh, see and touch and feel. Now, there's a movie that came out in 2014 called Heaven is Real. Some of you have seen those movies, but it's about a little boy by the name of Colton Burpo. uh, And and in 2010, I believe it was 2010, he has this near-death experience, and he experiences heaven. And of course, he has a full recovery. And there's a scene in this movie where his mom and dad finally get it. It's like the light bulb goes off and they're like, this really happened. He went to a physical place. He went to heaven. And Colton's having a conversation with his mom and and, and he says, hey, you know, I've got a sister. And she's like, of course you got a sister because they had an older daughter. He's like, no, I've got two sisters because you lost a baby in your tummy when she was young. And and the mother just starts crying because they hadn't told their kids uh, about this. And and so the mom and and the dad's listening over in the corner and the, the mom says, well, Colton, what was her name? He says, well, she didn't have a name because you didn't name her. And of course, more tears start to flow. But you can see in this scene, that's the exact moment that they got it heaven is real. It is a real place. It is a physical place. Now, some of you are going to go home and you're going to watch that clip, and you're not going to be able to get past who the mother is in this movie. Anybody know who the mother is? It's Beth Dutton from Yellowstone, all right? So, don't let that spoil the movie for you. Just letting you know before you go home, why did he tell us to watch this? But the promise from Jesus It's exactly what the light bulb going off for them. It's a physical place. It is a real place. But just like the burpos, just like the disciples, just like you and I, when we go through this and we lose someone we love, we forget that. That's why we have to cling to this promise of heaven. It is a real place, a physical place. I know that brought my wife's family comfort during... This time, and I know it will bring you comfort as well. It's always difficult for us when we lose someone that we love, but if they follow Christ, we know they are going to a real place, a physical place. And let me encourage you, when that happens, it happens in an instant. There's there's no waiting room, there's no holding tank, there's no trying to convince the person at the gates that we've done a a great job in life. There's no test. It happens in an instant. How do we know that? 2 Corinthians 5.8. We are confident, yes, well, pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Absent from this physical body means we are present with the Lord. So, we grieve, yes, but we shouldn't grieve as people without hope because we have the hope of heaven, the hope of eternity. In John chapter 11, Jesus is talking to a lady by the name of Martha who's very upset because her brother Lazarus has just died. And Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And we see, if you read that chapter, Jesus, God in the flesh, King of kings, Lord of lords, weeps over Lazarus's temporary physical death. Why? Because physical death, no matter the promise of heaven, it's still painful, right? It's still incredibly difficult for us to go through. But when we cling to that promise of heaven, it makes it easier. That's why Jesus said, he started out, don't let your hearts be troubled. But you know what Jesus promised Martha? Look at John 11, 25. Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And then he says this, do you believe this, Martha? So learning number two, Jesus promises that anyone who believes in him will live forever. And it's so cool, he asked her that. Do do you believe this? And that's a great, great question, right? That That is a question we all have to settle. We all have to settle the salvation issue once and for all in our heart while we're here on this earth, right? Do you believe this? That promise, that second promise that we live forever, billions of people have staked their entire lives on this promise, that it's a physical place where we live forever. If you read the Scripture, the Bible often describes heaven as in in earthly terms. Jesus called it a city. He called it a heavenly city, a city with walls, a city with streets, a city with roads, a city with rivers, a city with people, a city with animals. No cats, but animals. But you know what Jesus' favorite description of heaven is? what we read earlier, my father's home, my father's house. Now, I know that not all of you grew up in a warm and a loving house. And, and my heart breaks for you if you didn't. But if you did grow up in a warm and loving house, you kind of get the picture of what Jesus is painting here when he says, my father's home. You know, there's, there's something about going home, isn't there? Going back to your mom and dad or your grandparents or whoever raised you. There's just something about that that's so peaceful. Even if your parents don't live in the same place where you grew up in, doesn't matter. But when you go home, you can kind of just relax and, and you can kind of be yourself. Or even now that you're older, when you go to your own home, you can just kind of let your hair down and and forget for a little while the problems and difficulties of the day. And that's the The picture of Jesus is drawn, look, when you come to my Father's house, it's going to be like going home to the nth degree. And the other promise of Scripture is we're going to a loving Father, a caring Father who loves us more than anything, right? A a Father who's full of mercy and a, a Father who's full of grace, and grace that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve, he just did it because he loves us. And so I think Jesus is drawing a picture. Hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. You wait until you see my father's house and how awesome it's going to be. 1 Corinthians 2.9, that is what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who who love Him. His Father's house is beyond our comprehension. But we don't have to be troubled. Our hearts don't have to be troubled because that's a promise of heaven. And one of the best promises is He said, I'm coming back for you, right? He said, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way I'm going. And of course, Thomas is like... Not really. We don't. We don't know where you're going. And what did Jesus say? Thomas, I am the way. I'm the way to get to wherever it is we're going. So how do we get there? How do do we get to heaven? How do we claim these promises of heaven? I mean, how do we live forever in eternity with Christ? Christ. I mean, we all desire to know the answer to that question because the very first verse we read said it's hardwired in our heart to know. Here's something else I know about all of us. Those watching, those here, it may take 75 years from now, it may take 80 years from now, 90 years from now, but there will come a point when none of us here today will be here in the future. And that day is going to come for all of us. But the moment it comes, we better know the way. And right here, Jesus answers that question for us. He says, I am the way. What's the way to heaven? Jesus says, I am the way. So learning number three, Jesus is the pathway to heaven. Right? Heaven's the promise, but Jesus is the only way to get there. Well, how does that work? What, is that, what does that even mean? Well, we are sinners. I know that's not a shock to you that you walk in there, oh my gosh, that's a revelation. You won't believe what I learned at church today. But we are, we're all sinners. And that sin separates us from God, right? God is sinless. He cannot tolerate sin. He cannot be around sin. So if we're going to spend eternity with him, we got to be sin free. So that means we either have to live our lives sin free, which I hate to break it to you. None of us made it, right? Or we have to have a savior. That's why Jesus came to pay for our sin on the cross, past, present, future sin. He paid for them all. And when we invite Christ into our life, we receive that forgiveness. And so when we pass from this earth into eternity, God doesn't see sinful Scott anymore. He sees what Jesus did for Scott and that Scott is sin-free because of what Jesus did on the cross. The other thing Cool thing Jesus kind of illustrates with us during his whole death, burial, and resurrection is he conquered physical death. They put him to death and he came back to life. Right? Showing me and you, your hearts don't have to be troubled. Because the physical death you're going to go through as a result of sin, I have the power to give you new life. I have the power to raise you from physical death. And I think that's just a clear picture for us. We don't have to fear that. Jesus already beat it. So let me ask you the question. Have you ever claimed that promise? See, see, we have to get to a point in our life when, when we can recall when we said, yeah, Jesus, I believe. We all have to have that time in our life when we remember and we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we invited Christ into our life to become the Lord of our life and said, you know, from this day forward, I'm following you. And maybe up until now, you've had tons of questions. You've asked a lot of questions about Christ. You've asked a lot of questions about Christianity and what does this mean and what does that mean? And and today you find yourself still with a lot of questions that you haven't gotten all the answers that you need about Jesus. Let me just tell you something, you're never ever going to have all your questions answered, right? That's why there's an element to faith in believing in Christ. That's why we learned last week that without faith, absent of faith, we cannot please God, right? It's our faith that pleases God. So we have to know there's gonna be an element in us that still has some questions. Again, go back to that verse we read earlier. We're not gonna know everything. But here's something else I know. You may still have a lot of questions, but I also know that God has been calling you. He's been after you, right? Because anybody that's become a follower in Christ, they'll tell you that God called them. May have taken a while, may have taken a short period of time, but he's been beating on the heart, the door of your heart. And he's calling you. He's been speaking to some of you uh, directly for some time. Maybe today's the day that you claim those promises of heaven and you invite Christ into your life. In fact, I want to look at one more promise, one of the last promises of Jesus in the Scripture, and it's in the book of Revelation. Last book of the Bible, Revelation 3.20. Jesus says this, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The picture is we have the choice. We have free will, right? We can either follow Christ or not follow Christ. But when we open the door to Christ in our life, he comes in and he saves us. That's amazing. So the promise here, learning number four, each of us is personally invited to heaven. See, God desires is that everyone has a relationship with Christ. Not just some, everyone, but we have to choose. Again, heaven's the promise, but Jesus is the way there. It's a package deal. You don't get one without the other, right? So I want to encourage you. If you've had those doubts, put them aside and trust Christ, and claim the promises of heaven. Let's pray together. God, I know right now uh, you're speaking to people, speaking to people about who you are and what you're all about. God, thank you for your promise of heaven, that it is truly a physical place where we reside with you forever, a loving home, a caring home, a peaceful home. Lord, help us to take comfort in that when we lose people that are close to us, when we lose those that we love, when people get sick and, and turmoil and tragedy happens. Lord, you say, don't let your hearts be troubled. Lord, with everything going on in our world, and we pray for those innocent people in the Middle East. Lord, our hearts don't have to be in troubled because you know exactly what's going on. And maybe you're watching today or you're at home and you've never said yes to Christ because you've been waiting to get all those questions answered. Or maybe you haven't pursued it because some pastor told you years ago that you weren't good enough and you had to stop doing certain things and you had to stop acting a certain way. I hope you know now Christ is standing there knocking. He just wants you to open the door. He's the doorway. Why don't you invite him in today? If that's something you want to do, you can just pray from the quietness of your heart. I'll lead you in the prayer to do that. There's no magical words. It's no special formula. It just has to be sincerely from your heart. Just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I get that. I know now that... My sin is what separates me from you. I also know now that you love me unconditionally, which I've never thought about that. So as best I know how, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm asking you to come into my heart and lead my life from now on. Forgive me of my sins. Make me the person you desire for me to be. Lord, Help us as we move forward with every day that you give us on this earth to remember that our hearts don't have to be troubled, that we trust in you completely. You're fully in control, and we have the promise of eternal life. I thank you for these people, just their willingness to to get up and watch or to come to hear from you. Lord, and we thank you for your words. In Christ's name, amen. A couple really quick things. If you do me a favor, if you fill out one of those connection cards, our online connection card, it's through the Church Center app, the QR code. But if you invited Christ into your life for the first time today, would you just do me a favor and check that box? And I'll send you some information uh, in the mail that will help you on your journey, but best decision that you could ever, ever make. If you've got prayer requests, or need more information about the church, you can put that on that connection card as well. One group, one of our groups is set up in the lobby today, our Operation Christmas Child group. Isn't it crazy to think that Christmas, it's like 80 some days away, but this church always has done an incredible job of filling those shoe boxes for Samaritan's Purse, and they are passing those out today, that group is. If that's something you do with your kids, or your family does, or you do as an individual, I want to encourage you. Let's, uh, let's do an incredible job again this year of blessing kids all over the world with something for Christmas. But I really appreciate you being here. I hope you have a terrific Sunday afternoon, and we'll see you next week. God bless you guys.